Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Amen. I was speaking to the Lord, and I believe that He wanted us to speak about some things this morning, and I want to share with you some important things out of the Word of God. And so the title I have for you today is Persevering Faith. Everyone say Persevering Faith. Right? What is persevering faith? What does that mean? What do we do when it feels like we have nowhere to go? Where do we go when it feels like heartache is knocking at our door? It feels like pain and suffering are right there and we can't understand. As believers, we struggle with understanding things that happen in our life. We struggle with understanding the world around us. We extremely struggle when we lose someone we love because especially when we don't comprehend or we don't understand what God has in mind. And so we begin to question, where are you, God, at this season? Where are you in times of trouble? Where are you when it seems like everything is going wrong? Where are you when I'm going through difficult times? I want to ask that question this morning because I think all of us have questions in our mind and we have seasons of our life where we feel like we're going through difficult seasons. All of you, if you can understand it, have some point in your life gone through a time where we begin to question and, and sometimes even have serious questions about our faith and even doubt might creep in. And that's the walk that we all go through. When we look into the scriptures, we don't find men and women of God there who are purely perfect, that have no doubts in their mind, that have no questions. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There's extreme questions that people have. They go through, if you look at the Psalms and you read the Psalms and you read about David's life and you read about Paul's life and you read about all the prophets' life, they had questions. And there's nothing wrong with asking God questions. He's not a vindictive God to say, you know, you just have to just sit there and don't ask me anything, just blindly follow. No, he's not like that. He's a God of mercy and goodness. And there's nothing wrong with us asking questions when we don't understand the things that happen in our life. Because he's rich in mercy. And I want to use as an example the life of Jesus. And I want you to know something when it comes to Jesus, as we look at Jesus. He was someone who was so determined... He stood in the face of overwhelming odds, in the firm understanding that God is in control. Now, you might say, well, it might have been easy for him because he was God. But I want you to also understand that he was 100% human as well. He had the same emotion and human feelings that we do. He felt sad. He felt tired, he felt pain, he felt heartache, he felt rejection, he felt hate. And through all of that, he kept his eyes fixed on God. Fixed on what he was called to do, fixed on what his assignment was due. He knew that he was running this race and he invites us to follow his example. Because it's an understanding what God has for us, it's an Understanding that God's grace is sufficient for us. It doesn't matter what we go through our life. It's not that God is ignorant of our feelings. It's that He's present in our feelings. 
He's present in our heartaches. He's present in the difficult seasons of our life. He doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves, but he's there to comfort us and strengthen us and take us through the difficult areas of our life. Oftentimes, we have to wrestle with questions that cause uncomfortable feelings and doubt. And yes, even question things that are happening in our life. And today... I really want us to think about this question. What do you do when it feels like you are let down? What do you do when it feels like you're let down? And as I said, there's many times we can look into Scripture where Scripture is not absent. It's not that there's an absence of people that go through all of these things. In fact, there's an overwhelming evidence that all of us go through similar things. No man, no woman that you find in Scripture was immune from the suffering of this world. No one was immune from the difficult seasons of life. In fact, it's the difficult seasons of life that strengthened their faith and gave them such a powerful testimony that when they leaned into God more, that He took them through to help them understand every difficult season. I want you to listen to what Solomon, who is perhaps most, one of the most wisest men in Scripture. And he says this in, in Proverbs 18, verse 14. He says, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Right? Do you identify with that? I think sometimes we can understand when we're, we're sick, but when we feel crushed, when we feel beaten down, when we feel like we're under oppression or rejected, or overwhelmed by grief and pain, we feel like we can't go on. We feel like it's difficult. We can't push through the seasons of our life. It feels like we're ready to give up and throw in the towel because we question ourselves and say, what's the point really? What is the point of that? And I think all of us at some season in our life have felt the weight of being crushed. You can look back in your life and see maybe it's emotional Distress. Maybe it was financial distress. Maybe it was the pain of going through a difficult season of questioning what's happening in life. And sometimes we just want to lose hope. And this is an emotion that we are familiar with. It's real, and Solomon expresses it in a real way, just like we do. Yet, what I want you to also look at is that in the very same proverb, in the very same passage, he reminds us what we do when we feel crushed, abused, abandoned, alone, betrayed, empty. There is a place, he says, that we can go. And he says this in verse 10. He says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. Where do we go when we feel crushed? Well, he tells us, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, another version says. The righteous run to it and are saved. We can find security, we can find safety, we can find God's love in the middle of difficult seasons if we surround ourselves with Christ. Look at Jesus. Shame, betrayed. People were saying things about him. Religious leaders were trying to shut him down. He was beaten and let down by the people around him. 
His very own disciples, the ones that were closest to him, abandoned him and ran away. He was alone to face the cruel punishment of Roman whips and a horrible cross. But did he give up? Did he throw in the towel? Did he say, this is too much? I can't bear this weight. I can't feel, I can't, I'm overwhelmed by the crushing of this thing. In fact, we can see when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was crushed. So much so that when he, he cried and sweated, there were blood in his sweat. He was under tremendous pressure and overwhelming odds and pain and stress and grief. But yet, he said, God, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to persevere. He didn't quit. He didn't surrender. I want you to look with me in Hebrews because these are scriptures that comfort us in difficult seasons. That help us understand what we are going through and how we have to persevere through difficult seasons. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And look at this part. He says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Was the cross joyful? Was the cross something that he eagerly looked forward to? Was the cross some, a party that he was going to go surrounded by good friends? But here the scripture says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says this, Consider him, think about this, the scripture says, think about Jesus, consider what he went through, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you, that we, will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider what Jesus went through. Consider the pain he had to endure. Consider the overwhelming odds that he had to face of negativity, of scorn, of shame, of betrayal, of heartache. Think about that. And then it says, if he went through such amazing things and overwhelming odds, let us not be weary and lose heart as well. Let's look to Jesus because we can always look to him. He is a pioneer. What does pioneer mean? That he went through it first. He was the one that did it first. He is leading the way through. He is our forerunner. Our forerunner is someone that goes before us. He is the perfecter of our faith. What he went through was an example and gives us strength because when we go through it, his experience comes into our life to help us through it as well. It requires us to have perseverance. It requires us to believe that God is for us. Did you know that? In spite of difficult seasons, God is for us. That's what we sang this morning. 
God is for me and not against me. God is for us and not against us. He loves us even though sometimes it's difficult for us to comprehend the entirety of his plan. Let's let's not lose heart because of the things that are before us. Let's ask ourselves a few questions. Here's number one. What is the first step of persevering faith? What is the first step of persevering faith? Well, Hebrew tells us, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what it says. When we just lose focus, when we get ourselves distracted by everything that's happening around us, we feel overwhelmed. When we focus on the here and now, we feel overwhelmed because we're looking at what happens now and we are impacted by what happens now. But see, God doesn't look just at the here and now. He looks at it through eternity. And when we look with the eyes of eternity, we can understand things better. But when we focus in on the here and now, when we focus in on the momentary things or on the temporary things that are happening just right now, we lose focus on God's eternal plan. There's an eternal purpose that's going on. It's broader and bigger than we can possibly imagine. When we look at the here and now, we lose focus, we feel abandoned, we feel lost. But when we look with the eyes of eternity, we understand that our soul has an anchor. And that anchor holds firm. I've been on many boats. I've been on many ships. And sometimes, you know, the the seas are choppy and they go up and down. You understand that if you've been on a boat? They go up and down. And and sometimes when the boat's about to get in a shore, it's a bit rocky. You know what they do? They drop the anchor. You know what the anchor does? The anchor goes down into the ocean and it finds solid ground. And that solid ground, that anchor holds the solid ground. So it doesn't matter what's happening on the top of the sea. The waves might be going up and down. There might be a storm. There might be things that are unsteady. But if you have that anchor, if the boat has an anchor rooted in that solid ground, it's going to hold to the storms of life. And so it is with us. When we have Jesus in our life, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we extend that anchor into the solid rock. Because see, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He is the same yesterday as he is today as he'll be forever. He doesn't change. And that rock is a solid rock. And when you extend your anchor, it doesn't matter what the storm of life is. It might go up and down. But as long as you have that anchor rooted in the solid foundation of Christ, you will hold firm. That's why the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when we look to him, we extend our anchor into Christ. We extend that into Christ. Scriptures tell us of an incident where, when the disciples were caught up in a massive storm. You know, they got on board. Jesus was the one who said to them, Let's get on the boat and let's go to the other side. It was Jesus' plan. It was his idea. You know what happened next? The scripture says that Jesus took a nap. He did. He took a nap on the stern of the ship on on a lovely cushion, it seems. And he was sleeping. And then the storm came. Right? And it was this massive storm. 
And the disciples looked at the storm and they freaked out. And they're like, we're going to capsize. We're going to fall over. We're going to drown. And sometimes you think like, hold on. Some of you might drown, but Peter, he should be able to swim, right? He's a fisherman. Hopefully he can swim. But they all freaked out because this was a massive storm, right? Look at me what the scripture says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is what it says. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, speaking about Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. These were massive waves were flowing over the boat, right? And in the middle of this storm where the waves crashing over, you think that Jesus would wake up, right? But apparently he doesn't because it says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He was having a nice sleep. He was rested, right? And I'll get to that in a second. The disciples freaked out and they went crazy. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care we are going to drown? Don't you care how we feel? Don't you care we're going through this? Don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care all the stuff is happening around us? Are you unconcerned with how we feel? Are you unconcerned with the problems of life? Are you unconcerned with every situation that surrounds us? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you still have, do you still have no faith? I come back to the, the point about Jesus sleeping on the boat. Why didn't Jesus wake up when the boat was going up and down, the waves were crashing over? Why didn't he freak out? Why didn't he go, oh my gosh, I better get up and speak to this storm right now? Why did the disciples freak out? Didn't they realize Jesus was with them? They did. That's why they woke him up, right? But here's the thing that I want you to understand. Jesus was unconcerned about the storm. The disciples were concerned about the storm. Because they looked, they turned their eyes from looking at Jesus sleeping peacefully and in tranquility in the midst of a storm, and they looked at the size and the obstacle and the overwhelming odds of the storm, and the storm scared them. They said, we're going to die. See, what happens when you turn your eyes away from Jesus, the the storms of life overwhelm you and fear begins to encroach into you. And you say, it looks like everything's wrong. It looks like we're going to to die. But it was Jesus' idea for them to get onto the boat. It wasn't their idea, which says that God had a plan. He always knew what was going to happen. He's not worried about the storm because he knows that he can overwhelm or overcome the storm. It's not about the size of the storm in your life. It's about who you have on your boat. Amen? Amen. It's not about what's going on around you. It's who do you have in your life? Do you have Jesus in your life? And is he freaking out because of the size of your storm? Or is he resting in your soul? 
I think for most of us, we look at what's happening around of us and we freak out because we don't understand. We're like, God, don't you understand what's happening? Don't you understand we're about to fall over a cliff? Don't you understand I'm about to drown? Don't you understand? Aren't you going to do something? And he says to her, the storm be still. And I think if we begin to turn our eyes to Christ, even when we don't understand what's happening around us, we'll be able to pass through that storm. Notice Jesus never panicked that there was a storm. In the storms, we become unsure, we become frightened. We feel like we're going to die, we feel like we're weak. But the key thing to remember is that Jesus is on our boat. And when we look to him, we know we are safe. There was another time I was in the Philippines. And, you know, we we wanted to go into the water. And there were some scuba divers there. And so we're like, okay, we'll go into water as well. So I got a life jacket. I'm not the greatest swimmer. And I freak out in deep water. So they gave us some life jackets and they gave us some flippers. So we walked down these steps and got into this pool of water, which was actually quite deep. And for the first few minutes, 20 minutes to be exact, I wouldn't let go of the pool. (laughs) Because the water was that deep. But I had a life jacket around me that would actually prevent me from sinking. But I had no faith in the life jacket. What I wanted to hold on to was the pole, because I believed that if I held on to this pole long enough, I'd be safe. And so I refused to actually go out in the water. So with a bit of cajoling and with a bit of encouragement from some others, I managed to like, you know, let go and then grab back <laughs> for a few seconds. And I tried that for a few minutes, and then gradually I got to the point where I was, you know, able to let go of the pole, but there was a rope that was tied to it that was going deep into. So through my, you know, goggles or scoop goggles, you can look down and you see the water and you see the fish and then you see just blackness. Because the water is that deep that you can't see the bottom. And I freaked out again and I went back to my pole. (laughs) Because I was still unsure that this jacket could hold me. And it was a huge, massive life jacket. It probably could float like five guys. <laughs> Finally, about an hour or so after, we had two hours, so an hour or so after, I managed to let go of the pole and I managed to hold onto the rope and paddle a little way out. But every time I looked down into the water, my heart just leapt out of my body on the steps and ran back upstairs. Not exaggerating. What I want to tell you with that is that sometimes Christ has us. The life jacket holds us. It's not going to let us drown. But sometimes because we look down and I looked down and I was so fearful, I was so scared that I didn't trust that the life jacket would hold me. What I want to encourage us today is to let Christ hold us when it looks like we're about to sink into the depths. And don't try to solve our problems ourselves and come up with our own solutions. The best way to understand what God has for us is to go to God. Is to allow Him to cradle us in the middle of difficult circumstances. Do you know what Jesus loved more than anything else? 
what he had a passion for above everything else? He loved people. He loved them passionately. It doesn't matter if they were a child, male, female. It didn't matter their race. He wanted to sit with them. He wanted to hear them. He wanted to talk with them. He wanted to give them access to the power and the presence of God. More than anything else, his life was there to restore, redeem, renew all of God's creation. And every relationship that he encountered, he wanted to give them access to God. His ultimate purpose was that every single person, not just then, but through eternity, has an opportunity to be with God. What do I mean by that? Does that mean that everyone knows God? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that every single person has a chance to know God because of Christ. They have the opportunity to encounter Christ, to have an opportunity to have a special relationship with Jesus that will last through eternity. It's not a temporary one. It passes life. It passes death. It goes into eternity and it lasts forever. And that's what is the most important thing to God, that we have an eternal relationship with Him. And so sometimes we go through temporary suffering and temporary pain because we look at it as this life is everything, but this life is not everything. This is a temporary place that we stay, but we live eternity forever. And God's desire is that we spend the majority of our existence with Him above temporariness away from Him. That is His main concern. That was his passion. Every step he took, every teaching he gave, every healing he did, every miracle he did, everything he does right through all the gospels that are documented was about giving people access to God. Even the cross was that. The second thing they want to talk about persevering faith is this. In order to have persevering faith, there's always a problem, there's always a trial, there's always a test. Your faith can't grow without having something in front of you. Listen to what Hebrews says again. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Was that a problem? Was the cross a problem? Yes, it was. This thing is just coming right off. Can you get me a mic? Was the cross a problem? Of course it was. Did Jesus enjoy going to the cross? In fact, you can see that he didn't. He went through tremendous pain and suffering. He went through tremendous heartache. He wrestled with God in Gethsemane because it's not something that he looked forward to. He said, in fact, he said, if it's possible, God, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, my priority, he says, is let your will be so when problems come into our life we can't say God we want to run away from this we want to escape from this I don't think we should go through a problem and here's what most people think when they encounter an obstacle we just want to back away that this cannot be from God that God it's an impossible thing it's impossible if we run into a problem that God is with me it's impossible that if we have a painful situation in our life that God has somehow abandoned me and left me and, you know, I feel alone. We don't think that 
maybe just possibly that the enemy has thrown things in our life, but God is still with us. We often go to the extreme and think God has just abandoned us and left us. He's not there. Even the brother of Jesus, James, he writes this. Understood with the writing that to not just to the churches back then, but to all of us right now, to the churches that have been scattered, and there's much persecution going on, and there's much struggle going on, and much heartache, and he writes these words, and I think it's applicable today. These are the words. He said, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, we don't think that way. When we face trials, we get sorrowful. We get, you know, upset. We think that God is not with us. But James is telling us, A, you are going to face problems. You're going to face situations. In this time, in this world that we live in, it's not a problem-free philosophy. It's not a kuna matata. Right? You're going to face problems. You're going to face situations. But the amazing thing is that God is there with us. And that's why he says, consider it joy when you face many trials because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. We're not lacking anything. Our faith is strengthened when we go through trials. It is not weakened What makes us weak is when we run away from the trial, when we back down, when we think that God is not with us, when we think that somehow this is out of his control, that somehow things are out of the plan, and we feel like we're abandoned and alone, when when none of that is actually true according to the word of God. See, what James is saying here is that we're going to face adversity. You're going to face difficult seasons. You're going to face trialing times. You're going to face obstacles. You're going to face opposition. But please don't ever give up. Don't run away. Actually lean more into God. Because in the leaning more, there's a refining, there's a testing. There's something powerful that can actually happen. Your faith can actually explode and become stronger. Don't think that... You know, God is not with you because that's not true. In fact, you'll become mature. You'll be complete. You'll be lacking nothing. Have any of us, have any of you experienced a trial before? Have you lived life with difficult situations? Have you you gone through hard times where sometimes suddenly something happens to you and you didn't plan on this and you didn't have a plan on this happening? It just happened to you. You didn't cause it. But it just arrived in your life. Most of us would throw him the towel and say, you know what, this is not for me. Wave the white flag, just give up. But James reminds us, don't do that. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Never throw in the towel. Because as hard as the situation is, God is with you and he's going to strengthen you through it. If you just lean a little bit more into him. And you know, it's amazing What happens is truly amazing. I can tell you from personal experience. I can tell you from talking to people in my life. So many times, it's the people that lean into God that come out stronger than before. And it's the people that run away 
that are broken and scarred and go through tremendous pain longer than they have to endure. James is, is wisdom literature. He says, you have the choice to be wise or choice to be foolish. And the wise people go deeper into God in the midst of their trials and their testing. The wise people who go deep into God actually find their faith growing. He wants to tell us that nothing is not lost, nothing is out of God's hand. God still loves us. God still knows what he's doing. And we think he's powerless to help. And just because we might not understand what God what, might not understand what God is doing does not mean that he's impotent. Does not mean that he doesn't know what he is doing. Because sometimes we don't see through eternity, we don't see with God's eyes, we don't see the broader plan, the bigger scale, the God perspective. God deals in eternity while we look in temporary. Sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes we just don't understand why some things happen and why some things don't happen. It's beyond our capacity to understand because we do not have an eternity view of existence. It made no sense when Joseph was sold into slavery. It made no sense when God changed Abraham's name to Abraham when he didn't have any kids. It made no sense that Lazarus had to die when Jesus could have come and healed him. It made no sense that God would take the children of Israel from a place of bondage but take them into the wilderness where there was nothing around and land them at the Red Sea where there was no way out. It made no sense. Sometimes things don't make sense in the moment. Things don't make sense when we're in the here and now. It took decades for Joseph to understand why he was sold into slavery. That he was meant to save his people and his entire family. It took Abraham a hundred years to understand that he will get a son, that he will be the father of many, and he is the father of our faith today. It took the children 40 years to travel through the wilderness to get to a land that God promised them. It took Lazarus' death for us to know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that he can raise even the dead. Sometimes we don't understand in the moment, church. We don't understand the God view. We don't understand his eternity view. It's when we are with him for eternity that we'll be able to see like him and understand like him. The third requirement of persevering faith, and it's going to seem quite odd, is the word patience, right? Hebrew reminds us again about Jesus, and it says again, I remind you, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We lose heart when we go through difficult situations. We lose heart when we lose a loved one. We lose heart when we lose a job and grief and pain surround us. When we are overwhelmed with grief and overwhelmed with pain, we can't see anything else. 
because we're filled up and we are just saturated with our own pain. And there's nothing wrong with going through pain. There's nothing wrong with going through grief. In fact, God understands it and He allows it and He says it's fine to weep. In fact, He tells the church, weep with those who are weeping. Stand with them. Because He understands the pain of separation. The pain and the heartache that we go through as human beings. But we have to remember that if we are in Christ, we are with Him eternity. And though we might suffer the pain of separation, that person is with God forever. In the arms of a loving Savior who could love them more than we could possibly love them. Jesus endured much opposition Yet he had patience because he saw beyond what was happening at the moment. He saw a future that was glorious and powerful, that made ways for every single person on the face of the earth. So church, let's not lose heart and get weary. Most of us, if we're honest, we struggle with things sometimes. We struggle with understanding things. We struggle with comprehending why certain things happen. And James reminds us again in chapter 5. He says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, in the face of adversity, problems and testing and trials, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance. All the problems he had. And I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You see, sometimes we go through situations and we don't see the end of it. The way God sees the end of it. Job could not see it. Job was not a perfect person. Oftentimes people say Job had no doubt. But Job had doubts. Job had questions. He had grief. He had pain. He questioned God. He was upset at God. His friends tried to convince him that he did something wrong. But through it all, Job understood. If there's a place to find answers, it's only in God. There's nowhere else you could get answers from but in God. And so Job, like all of us, had human emotion. God is not against human emotion. But I want to remind us, when we look at the life of Job, that he found it hard to comprehend why things happened to him. But through reading the scriptures, we get to see the end of Job's life. And we get to fast forward in his life and see what happened at the end. And sometimes, because we are in the present, we can't fast forward our life and see what happens in the end. We can't see what happens to us two months from now, a year from now, ten years from now, or eternity from now. But God does. And he has a plan for us. Listen to what the psalmist said. A psalmist As many of the Psalms were even written by David, they went through tremendous pain. They cried to God. They asked God questions. They questioned Him. But listen to what this psalmist said in Psalm 46. He says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore we will not fear through the, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into this heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Was the psalmist saying that things have not gone wrong? In fact, he's saying the opposite. He says, things are going terribly wrong. The earth is giving way. You know, the mountains are falling down. The seas are roaring. It's like that storm, the disciples and Jesus were in. It's, it's overwhelming. The earthquake's happening. It's shaking. All this stuff is going wrong. Everything around me is going wrong. But, he says, God is our refuge and our strength. An ever-present help in a time of trouble. So what do we do when we don't understand what's happening around us? We put our hand into God's hand and let Him lead us through the hard times of life. <clears throat> we'll be able to see like He sees when we get to eternity. We'll be able to understand like He does when we see the future, whoops, when we are with Him. We can't see right now, we can't understand right now, But we will when we are with him. Nothing is out of God's hand. Nothing is lost. Nothing is happening that God did not know about already. In fact, God planned for it before you understood it. Before there was a problem, God already devised his solution. Amen? Do you believe that? I'll remind you again, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run in and are safe under his mighty hand. Nothing is out of God's control. Even when we don't understand, God is still in control. Amen? Amen. Let's stand with me this morning. You know, as we've said, all of us are going through a difficult time, maybe understanding and comprehending. Some of us probably more than others. Some of us have been through the fire and understand the grace of God. But through my experience, let me tell you this. When you don't understand what God is doing, Lift up your hands and worship Him. When you don't know what to feel, lift up your hands and worship Him. Because it's the middle of that that His comfort and His grace will flood right in. It's hard for the human mind to comprehend. But God has given us a secret. And the secret is that the human soul can understand even though the human mind does not comprehend because the soul is connected to him and our soul is refreshed and our soul is is renewed when we allow him to come into our hearts 
And sometimes your mind would never understand because it's trying to rationally process things. And God sometimes doesn't rationally explain things because we can't in our rational mind understand the the knowledge that God has. His, His intellect and mind is vastly greater than us. In fact, the scripture says, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are better or higher or greater than our ways. We don't always understand, church, why things happen. But our soul knows well. Our soul knows well. And in times of difficulty, there's no better thing. I promise you this because I've been through it. I promise you this because I know through experience that if you lift up your hands and worship, even in the midst of extreme grief and pain, that God's comfort and grace will always flood in like a mighty river and lift us through the difficult seasons of our life. And I'm going to ask you to do something. And it's totally up to you. It depends on where you want to be and what you want to feel. God can't force you to do nothing. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And we're just going to sing another song. And I challenge you to worship God. Not in some namby-pamby way of like casually lifting your hands. But open up your heart. And allow the Holy Spirit to fill the church and fill your heart. And I guarantee you, I can guarantee you this because I know this 100%. I guarantee you that God's love and grace will surround you and fill you and saturate you. But it has to be a genuineness. Because you can fool me, you can fool the person next to you. But guess who you can't fool? (laughs) Can't fool him. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.